y'all. Welcome back to another episode of The Complicated DM. We're excited that you tuned in for another time. And again, my name is Mariana, and we also have Denise Renee. Hi, everyone. In today's episode, we are thrilled because we have a special guest who holds a special place in both of our hearts. She's a dear friend of ours. Her name is Takeda, and I will turn it over to her so she can tell us a little bit about herself. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. So as she said, my name is Takeda. I uh, currently work as an outreach specialist in a college counseling center. And then I'm also the creator and editor-in-chief of the Pedestal Project LLC. So I'm sure we'll probably talk a little bit about that later, but I'm happy to be here. Yay. We are happy you are here. Thank you so much. And our topic today is the complicated life of therapy. Mariana and I both have talked about both of us going to therapy and how that journey has really changed our lives and our perspective on a lot of different challenges that we've had to deal with through our lives and we wanted to bring in Takeda because Takeda has also talked a little bit about her journey therapy as well. And so Takeda, if you don't mind, if you want to share a little bit about your journey to therapy and what led you to seek out a therapist. Yes. So um, I love love therapy so much. Um, (laughs) I talk about it all the time. I'm usually the person who people will text me and say, because of you, I now have decided to go to therapy. So I don't really remember the first time I went. I think I may have visited therapy here and there in undergrad. I remember not necessarily having a memorable counseling center, not that they weren't good. I just didn't think of that as a useful service. So the first time that I can think about when I really started to go to therapy was around 2016, 2017. And so what was happening in my life at that point, I just moved to a new city, which is where I currently am, started a new job and was just in a very different environment of being in this Midwest town as somebody who was from the South. So I was born and raised in Mississippi and you would think that it was different from the Midwest and in a lot of ways, it's really not. (laughs) But still transition-wise, it was um, definitely a place where I found myself needing a lot of support. Coming off the heels of a lot of pretty traumatic headline news, like I think around the time we were still dealing with the aftermath of Sandra Bland, Philando Castile, like there were a lot of things happening. In addition to just work, life, everything else, I just started realizing that I needed someone to kind of help me process through things. So started going to our faculty and staff kind of therapy option that we have available at my job. I mean, it was a really worthwhile experience, but what I would do is kind of go and I never would make it past three sessions. I don't know what it was. (laughs) I I would swap out different therapists. I would try different people. And for some reason, I could never make it past the three session mark. Um, I just would fall off and then come back maybe like six months later. The past, um, I think the last time when I tried going to therapy, that is what sealed it for me as something that I needed to do long-term and wanted to make a long-term part of my life. After dealing with a really difficult breakup, um, went to therapy. (laughs) Usually usually it's it's something in life, some kind of loss, whether it's a breakup, whether it's someone who's passed away. And I remember going into it saying, whatever that had happened in my life that had allowed me to be in this situation, I never want to happen again. So whatever I need to do to fix that, let's start working through it. And thankfully, out of therapy came my business, The Pedestal Project, the ideas for that. It gave me lots and lots of content of how to relate to other Black women who had always had feelings, but never may have necessarily had the name for how they were feeling. Um, So now I've been in therapy consistently for about two years now. That's awesome. So every two weeks. So yeah, I love it. I love therapy also. And I will say that my journey to therapy is very similar. It definitely related to loss, whether it was 
was a breakup or a death in the family. I also, when I was in college, went to therapy, maybe just a couple of times. And again, it was centered around a boy. And then um, early in my professional career, I had a really bad breakup. It was probably my first breakup as a, a grown up, I would say. And I was really hurt. Like I, and I didn't know how to process that hurt and that pain. And so I sought out therapy that was life changing for me. And then I stopped for several years in 2018. I had several deaths in my family that were back to back. One of them was my grandmother. And that really just impacted me on so many different levels. And I decided to go back to therapy. And I've been consistent since 2018. On top of the death in the family, I also was thinking of making a transition of leaving higher education and what that would look like for me. I was getting ready to turn 40 the following year. So midlife crisis is real and just trying to figure out what I want the second half of my life to look like. And so therapy has definitely been beneficial for me. I'm like you, Takeda. I, I love it. I look forward to going all the time. It's, it's been a really great process for me. What about you, Mari? It's actually been very different. So very briefly, I think there was three big pivotal things that drew me to therapy. I actually have only been going to therapy for the past month. I do, I will say I have always wanted to, but I've been scared. And that may sound silly, but I have just, I've been scared. I've been intimidating. I have just the unknown of what do I say? Like, are they going to ask me, like, tell me a little bit about yourself. <laughs> do I need to have a list of what I need to talk about? I think that we don't, maybe I, I didn't listen enough to nor, um, I didn't have enough dialogues with individuals to normalize like, Hey, this is what it looks like. It's not that scary. And it's interesting because I've always been pro therapy and I've always told my students about it, but this is the first environment I have worked in. And it's the first community I have lived in that so many people my age or around my age are open about therapy. You know, colleagues are like, yeah, my therapy, my therapy appointment, this and that. And I think that has, that is really what helped me to realize, Hey, it's so normalized, maybe like here, or I really should go. And I think that a mixture of conversations with Denise and listening to what she was working through in therapy or how therapy helped her go through things. And so last semester in the fall, I reached out to our assistance center on our campus, which is the service that provides therapy. But I was hesitant because when I looked on their website, for me, it's hard to open up to white individuals and all of their counselors identified as white, or at least seemed to be white. And so when I emailed requesting the specific counselor I wanted, they told me that there was there was a wait list. And so I was on a wait list for six months until recently. What's interesting about until recently is that three big things happened. So I feel like maybe if I didn't get that email, I would have eventually had to seek it because for me, it was a big like trigger moment, a big incident in my life that I had to process. So one was I was in a panel talking about professionalism and an individual that identifies as a white professional talked about how she went to therapy and unpacked her identity in undergrad. And that really helped her in who she is in every space. And that made me realize I've never done that. And taking on a job where my identity is the base of everything that I do and has been draining, I realized, man, like I should be seeking that. Maybe that's what's making, the, I just assume I was like, maybe that's what's making this white woman more successful than me in the workplace because she has really unpacked that identity. And then the second biggest thing is um, there was some previous trauma from a previous work environment that resurfaced. And then the last, the, the icing on the cake was just feeling like I was failing at my job. I was constantly just making mistakes. And I felt, I felt the sense of failure. And I, then that wasn't normal for me and I didn't know how to process it. So 
So my first counseling session was actually pretty traumatic because I just cried the entire hour and I was drained and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> is this how every hour is going to be? But I will say this, even though it was traumatic in the sense that I cried for an entire hour, I realized how much I had been holding on to. And I felt so happy and I was just like, I should have done this sooner. And so that was just, I'm a rookie in, in therapy and so I'm still trying to navigate what does that mean once my sessions are up because I only have a certain amount of sessions with with the university so that kind of goes into you know how do you find a therapist uh, I think well there are a lot of different ways so I'll probably start on the more general ways and then kind of go to more specialized so one of the more useful directories is on psychology today and so for, for most areas if you go on to psychology today and it's just psychology to get today.com um, it's usually a fairly up-to-date listing of people who are licensed clinicians in your area. So you can go on there, put in your zip code. It'll give you um, different people who are in the area, different specialties for the types of therapy that they offer. So if you're looking for like couples therapy, if you're looking for children's therapy, family therapy, um, if you're looking for someone who's really dealing with LGBTQIA or queer concerns, you know, any of that stuff, uh, pretty much whatever their specialty is, is listed on their profile. Another really good website that I use, therapyforblackgirls.com. And so that one is a listing of Black clinicians in several areas. Now, of course, I'm sure that there are probably sibling directories that are probably based on other types of identities, but I know that that's also a really good one for people who are looking for um, a Black therapist. I always tell people, if you know for sure that you want to have a therapist that shares some type of identity with you, I think that that's important to be mindful of, but thinking about your area and availability, try to be open to maybe a couple of sessions with somebody who might not, because um, I've had experience with people who didn't necessarily share those identities, but were trained well enough to be culturally sensitive um, in a way that still made me feel comfortable. So even when I'm dealing with students or with peers, I tell them to at least give it two sessions or so after intake to see, to get a feel before changing. That's awesome advice. How about no, you? That's really great advice. That's what I tell people when they start a new TV series. You have to give it at least three episodes <laughs> before you say it's not any good. And so uh, definitely apply that to therapy sessions. Like give it a couple of sessions before you you um, decide to move to someone different. So great advice, Takita. Thank you for sharing, ma'am. And, and on the flip side, I would say also, if you've gone a few sessions and it's not working, don't be afraid to change either. Like you're not going to hurt their feelings. Absolutely. Really good advice. How about you, Denise? How do you feel like you found a good therapist? Um, so when I first started, since I've been living in this community, I also sought out therapy through uh, the campus I was working on. And I was intentional with wanting... Um, um, a therapist that identified as being Black um, because I was dealing with some issues that related to my experience as being a Black female. And so I was partnered with a Black male and that was a really great experience. If I had to go back, you know, I probably would have initially requested a Black female, but that wasn't the option. And so seeking a Black male was the next option for me, but it turned out to be a really great experience because I was dealing with with some relational issues and I was able to get a perspective from a male. And so that was really helpful for me as I navigated that relational experience. And it was really eye-opening for me to unpack some things that I had been carrying from one relationship to the next relationship. After I left the university, I had to seek out another therapist. And so I was intentional with seeking another Black male because I enjoy that pre 
previous experience um, that much. And I am still enjoying the therapy sessions that I have because I've appreciated just that male perspective to make sure that my thoughts are still in check um, and being able to be open and honest and be my authentic self in the space um, with someone else that identifies as Black has been helpful as well because, um, you know, there's just this language that all Black people across the globe share. And I didn't want to spend time trying to explain some of the words or phrases that I would use just in casual conversations with some someone that may not necessarily recognize that particular language. And so it's been a really good experience as I continue to unpack the many layers of Denise, the complicated life of Denise. Um, and I, I will continue with this particular therapist as long as I have the flexibility to do so. So since both of you seem to have really good experience, how important would you say is your relationship with your therapist and why, what makes it a good relationship? For my therapist, so it depends. I, I think the relationship looks a little different based on where I am in, in our therapy process. Um, so I think that there are moments where my therapist almost feels sisterly and not in the sense of she goes to this boundary of, well, I'll just say familial because sometimes I say sister, sometimes it's more like aunt. So I definitely have a familial balance, but then also is someone who I really feel like I can just kind of bounce things out of. Um, so I almost a mirror of sorts mostly because I think one thing that was really great about my therapist is at the very beginning, we were really clear about what we wanted, what we wanted to this therapy process to look like. And so I think as somebody who even is marginally experienced with counseling at all professionally, it's really easy to try to anticipate what's about to happen. I think that that was, <laughs> that was definitely a struggle I had of saying like, okay, I know you're going to try to tell me to do this and do that. And, and I already am going to tell you now it's not going to work. And so I think pulling back and being able to say, I want you to be able to help me connect the dots and solve problems and figure out you know what where the next step is so kind of my problem solver almost a little bit of a family connection but then the mirror that definitely throws that truth back at me sometimes that I'm not trying to see so I think it just it depends the therapist kind of changes but we also are really informal at times like my therapist will check text and check um, on me every now and then I That's think awesome. we have a have a really good relationship now it's not like we don't just sit here and chit chat and tee hee all day but she'll at least like check and say hey checking on this that we talked about until the next session. So. Now that's really dope. Um, what I appreciate about my therapist is something you said, Takita, is you know someone that will um, be real with you and he is definitely real with you. Those of you that know me know that I am kind, I am thoughtful, but I also have a dominant personality and I also believe that I am always right and he reminds me that I'm not always right and he... <laughs> And he provides examples. I'm always asking people, you know, provide me with three examples as to why you don't agree with me. And he will provide me with those examples and make me do the work to really reach down <laughs> inside to really understand why something I've said or did was not really rational. Um, and so I appreciate his honesty that he gives me. And I appreciate that we can laugh and have fun and, you know, have lighthearted moments while at the same time, you know, I've cried 
like uh, I've been angry and I don't feel judged in that space. And that's something that's really important for me. So one thing I hear a lot, and maybe you both, or maybe Takeda, you can give some clarity to this, is I hear people talk about my counseling session, but then I hear people say my therapist. So is what is, and I'm sorry if I don't know the difference, but what is the difference between like, like therapy or counseling or? I think it varies from the perspective of who's saying it. I think from the client perspective, as somebody going through it, I don't think that there's too much of a difference. I think when you are on the other side as clinician, there may be some small technical differences between what's actually considered therapy versus what's considered counseling. The biggest the biggest difference is usually the licensing. And I also want to say that this is me guessing. I am not licensed for that. <laughs> but based on my colleagues within the counseling center, that seems to be the clearest difference is that. For example, I know that you can have a therapy group if you're a trained mental health clinician, but anybody can run a support group. Um, so, so, so very small differences. And I think it just goes back to like the presence of having a therapeutic plan and licensing is my, my educated guess. <laughs> okay. And I, I appreciate your educated guess. <laughs> So it's like, and, that's what I get from my, my coworkers. <laughs> so when um, Denise and I had a conversation not that long ago about like, what can we relate therapy to, to give our audience an idea of this is what we're talking about. Just try it. And I really loved your analogy. Denise, do you want to talk about it? Because as we were talking about that today, I woke up with a different thought to also ease into the, to the audience more about therapy. Um, so I jokingly had uh, <laughs> related it to food and exercise. You know that there are some foods or some restaurant that you've avoided for years and years because you already made it up in your mind that you were not going to like it or you were not, you had no interest in trying the new spot. But then one day you decided to try the new food or try the new restaurant and you absolutely loved it and couldn't believe that you went all of that time without ever tasting the deliciousness of what that particular food item. For me, it's ice cream. My Anyone that knows me knows I love vanilla ice cream. And for years and years and years, I would only eat vanilla ice cream. But now I add things to that vanilla ice cream and it makes it a little different. And I have to put in my M&Ms that I love, Snickers, Hershey's. Reese's, you name it. I am adding a variety of toppings to my ice cream. And I can't believe that I went, you know, a good 20, 25 years of my life always saying no to anything extra and only wanted plain vanilla. And so I relate that to therapy. You might be afraid like Mariana in the beginning, might have, you know, a lot of reservations and hesitations just because of the community that you grew up in and that the only people that went to therapy are crazy people and you're not crazy. I say try it and you will have hopefully a really eye-opening experience that will lead you to being a better person so that you can actually contribute to your own personal growth and the growth of those that are in your circle. I think what when, do you think of Mariana? So um, what I thought of was I never realized how my mentor was, as you were describing your, uh, your therapist, Denise, I could think about my mentor. So one of the reasons I would love our conversation 
questions is because he automatically knew if something was wrong and he would just say what's wrong and I would bawl and cry <laughs> like I did in therapy my first session and then I just let it all out <laughs> and he would identify well this you know running gives you helps you de-stress these are the things that help you de-stress and he would ask have you done this have you done that maybe you should try this maybe you should try writing and I never realized how much of unofficially my mentor was kind of a therapist until in this job this is the first time that he's not around since I was an undergrad and then when I went to therapy I'm like oh my gosh my mentor literally was what the conversations I'm having with my therapist are conversations I had with my mentor so maybe that's why I never maybe that's why I didn't put it a priority to seek it and so I related it to my relationship with my mentor both a whole nother level because my therapist is able to bring in knowledge and content and say it's okay like you're an adult and adults continue to grow and develop and this is normal what you're going through is normal it doesn't make you you know crazy it doesn't make you different so he's able to bring in the theory of what I'm dealing with and why into practice that maybe my mentor couldn't he wasn't certified therapist um Takeda what would you say to to people to help them normalize going to therapy and and explaining to them why it's okay especially for our audience members that did grow up in an environment where they were taught that only crazy people seek out therapy so it's so interesting as y'all were giving like what you have like either metaphorically used to explain therapy or just like what you've related it to in another experience I thought about how a lot of my thoughts about therapy, I always relate back to flying. And I think about, there's so many things that happen when you fly. Like I'm sure all of you, we fly all the time. Well, we were flying all the time. <laughs> but COVID. It's just like, oh, anywho. We've all been grounded. But eventually, like I would say the, the one thing to your question, Denise, is I think about when you fly and you've checked your bags versus when you fly and you have a ton of carry-on. And so thinking about that of like, when you fly and you don't have anything in your hand, you only have a jacket in your purse, like it's so much less stressful. It was like, yeah, okay, I had to pay a little bit up front to get this out of the way. But throughout this journey, it is not getting in my way. It's not slowing me down. It's not weighing me down. So that was something that I wish I'm going to do that more often. That creates a lighter load for me. And so when I started to go to therapy, I thought about like, huh, I don't have to carry all of this stuff. I don't have to. I can put this down here. I can put a little bit over here. I'm not having to move through this journey of my life juggling all of these bags um you know all the bags that the Erica Badu talks about you know like we don't have to keep carrying our stuff <laughs> right so it took me so long to realize what this song was really about but anyway um <laughs> that was like That's a, a lesson. Whole nother look look I know less a lesson years too late but I mean I think to normalize it you have to get people to understand it the things that you're carrying that might be adding a weight of some sort to you you don't have to carry alone and you don't have to carry at all and, and I think that selling the idea of that convenience of lifting your spirit and not being so burdened makes it a lot more appealing for people who might be scared I love that so how do you transition from one therapist to another so you both talked a little bit about how maybe you had different therapists what does that look like is that scary like do you start all over again because obviously your therapist isn't giving their note to the next person um fully for me I didn't have to start over because a lot of things had ended and I I actually no longer needed to necessarily revisit those conversations that I was having with my initial therapist and that new things had come up for me that I was able to talk with my new therapist. I had started a brand new 
job, I had ended a relationship and was navigating that particular space. I was getting ready to turn 40 and was planning, you know, my big 40th birthday celebration. So there were new things that were happening for me and I was able to have new conversations. No longer really needed to have those previous conversations because those were closed chapters for me. None of my transitions were like smooth. Um, so the, like none of them went the way they were probably supposed to. So those first three that I had since the cycle never really finished, like I was going to one session, two sessions, three, and then, oh, hey girl, I'm done. I, I don't think it would have been so much of a starting over feeling had I at least like finished working through something um, and then kind of transferred it a different way. But at every time it was kind of life specific. Like it was a response to something that had happened in my life similar to, to what you had shared. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is enough therapy for now until something else major happened. Um, and so this last time I went in saying, hey, I want a long-term therapist. And I think that that changed completely the way that we approached our therapy relationship. Do you feel like when people find out, maybe people that are not as um, woke when it comes to therapy, they have responded a certain way or you've gotten interesting reactions from it? Oh, and yeah, my family. So, like who? Like what's the primary like group? For sure, my family. <laughs> you know, so, and not even in a sense of, I think they're more comfortable now. So like my mom is a very typical sweet Southern Mississippi Black woman. Um, and so I tried to, I was very intentional about trying to speak openly about therapy. I'm like, oh yeah, I have a therapy appointment. And so at first I could hear the concern in her voice and she's like, well, is everything okay? Mm. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just going to therapy. Um, and I think now because I've made, I've really made an effort to talk about it more often. I'm like, oh yeah, I just finished therapy. Now I'm about to go do X, Y, and Z. I'm leaving therapy, blah, 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 blah. The more I just kind of talk about, like I talk about it on social media, like, oh, my therapist said X, Y, and Z. If they see that I'm not hiding it or if I'm not ashamed of it, then it helps them to say, oh, okay, like it, it's fine. Even to the point where my nieces and my nephews who are teenagers are like, we all need a therapist. And I'm like, yes, we do. No, <laughs> <laughs> we do. So, and I know as a teenager, I would have never even looked at therapy that way. So I feel like that says something. That's powerful. That really is. And I'm glad that you're able to be that particular role model for your nieces and nephews in that particular aspect. I do have a question for you in closing, though. You talked earlier about some of the things you were able to uh, unpack and grow and learn from therapy. And one of them is the pedestal project. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? What made you decide to go ahead and create this opportunity and this space for um, uplifting Black women? And, sure. what, and what is it? What is this project? Sure. So the pedestal project uh, is an online platform and an organization who focuses solely on uplifting Black women through restoration, validation, affirmation. Um, and so for a super detailed story of like the origin, you can definitely visit our website at pedestalproject.com, but I'll try to hit the high points of the story. <laughs> so basically around that second, I think it was the second or third first therapist in our short-term relationships um, was dealing with, like I said, dealing with a breakup that should have ended much sooner and was having oh. a conversation. About, <laughs> look, I know, um, but was having a conversation about frustrations with work, just not necessarily feeling valued or seen or appreciated in a lot of different areas. And so um, my therapist, 
basically asked me the question of, you know, have you ever realized that you put everyone else in your life on this pedestal except for yourself? Hmm. Um, and so to me, I at first I was a little offended, um, but then I thought about it and I was like, most Black women I know have these same feelings of feeling this um, requirement to be last in after taking care of everything else. So with the pedestal project, it focuses on putting Black women first, our needs first, our experiences first, you know, our talents first, getting recognition. So we do a lot with making sure that we are amplifying stories of women who we feel like have been overlooked and undervalued. Um, so we have a team of about 12 writers and an assistant editor, and we keep content going around. Um, we also do events, even though those were in person, we're looking at making those virtual and just for Black-only spaces, for Black women only. And we talk about different experiences and share our stories and, and try to find our collective healing. So we have been around for a little over two years, but wow. I'm really proud of how it's evolving and how it's growing leaps and bounds. So That's find beautiful. us on Twitter, Instagram, um, at Pedestal Project. We're also on Facebook. Yeah, we're all over. That's powerful because those spaces don't exist enough. Yes. Yep, I agree. Thank you for uplifting Black women. Okay, Takeda. <laughs> you all have helped. And also, thank you so much, girl. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on uh, the Complicated DM podcast. Make sure all of you that are listening, you follow us on Instagram as well as Twitter. We are at complicated underscore DM and we look forward to connecting with you. Feel free to shoot us an email with questions or comments at info at the complicated DM.com. And Mariana, do you want to say some closing goodbyes? Yeah. So hopefully after today's episode, you we normalize therapy a little bit more. We use my example that if I can get through it and I've been preaching about it and I finally went after years of needing to go, you can realize that it's not that bad. It's not scary and you can get through it. And hopefully you also learn some resources from Takeda. If you're in the area and you're interested in what she's working on, we'll also make sure that we tag her project so you can also be a part of it if you identify as a Black woman. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye. Thank y'all.